This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Remind Me to Call It Football, the Leicester City podcast with an accent. Coming to you from Canada, I'm your host, Elijah, and today I am joined by Reedy and Phil. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain for this podcast. If you may have noticed in episode one, our intro was a little rushed, we were sounding a little a little flat. That was because we recorded an entire episode beforehand where we talked about transfer rumors, our expectations for the coming season, and this guy didn't push the record button. I'm kind of glad we didn't do that, though, because we have a lot to talk about when it comes to expectations and transfers just over the last week, even just today. Uh, So we're recording this on Wednesday, and about an hour or two ago, we learned that Casper Schmeichel is officially leaving Leicester City. Uh, He's joining on a, I believe, three-year contract with OGC Nice in Ligue what do we make of this? Do we think Leicester City are going to get a replacement before the end of this window? Is it time for Danny Ward or Iverson to step up? What's the future between the sticks for this club? Go on, Phil. I'll let you go first. Well, Elijah, uh, again, thanks for last week's podcast. It was great listen. Um, the, the goalkeeping situation, it, it's a tough one. Because you sort of think maybe this is the time for Danny Ward to step up. He's waited a long time in the wings, uh, both for Liverpool on the bench uh, and then at Leicester. I just don't think, I feel he's waited too long in his career for it suddenly to be, you know, he's played one Premier League game, you know, for Leicester in all that time. I know he did well in the Euros for Wales in that period. But again, that was a couple of years ago now. So uh, for me... I'm not sure about Danny Ward at all. Um, I, th- I think you know what my feelings are about Iverson Phil. I, don't get me wrong. Yes, he's not had the experience in the Prem, but I think with Casper, someone like Casper going, I feel like it's maybe right to give him that chance. I think, yes, Ward is happy enough to just sit on the bench and just sit there for the rest of his career if he, wanted, if he, if he could. So for me... Maybe Iverson gets that chance, but with someone like Casper going and the thing around it saying that we will only let him go if a replacement gets well gets to come in, surely there is a replacement there ready to be announced or even in, in the club's eyes to know like we're bringing this guy in. So hopefully that's the case. Maybe we do need a first choice keeper over Iverson. 
and he'll be the second choice, but it all depends how this deal has gone ahead. I'm personally definitely leaning towards, I feel like if we want to be part of that pack that's pushing for an outside chance at Europe, we need a new goalkeeper in there. I, I just don't think you can put a keeper that hasn't had a lot of experience in Europe or in the Premier League straight into a number one role at a club at the level of Leicester City. Now, there's been a lot of names that have been thrown around. Um, I'd say my personal preference would be um, Odysseus Vlachodimus from Benfica. I know we've been linked with him. The last rumor I saw, albeit unsubstantiated, said that we are currently in negotiations, but it's dependent on if they can find a replacement for him. They're eyeing up a goalkeeper from Besiktas. Uh, I know we've also been linked with um, Alban Lafon from Nantes in Ligue 1. I haven't gotten the chance to see much of him, but Reedy, I know you rate him. And then there's also been some English links as well. We've been linked with the likes of Ben Foster, Dubrovka, and I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, if he's already signed with Fulham, but if he hasn't yet, I know Bert Leno, Leno was also in the, uh, in the running. He, he is at Fulham right now. Gotcha. So, I, like I said, I think for me, it would definitely be Odysseus. Um, Reedy, do you want to tell us a little bit about Alban Lafont? Um, yeah, it's kind of like the Casper going to, like, Nice. It's more of, like, it's that sort of level team. And I think LaFont's a quite young goalkeeper. He's really tall. And from what I've seen of him in the last few years, competing against the likes of PSG and Marseille and all that, I think he is maybe that sort of level keeper we kind of need to bring in. Yes, he's not proven in the Premier like someone like Depravka or um, Ben Foster and... Don't get me wrong, I'd still take Ben Boss with a year's contract. It might be a bit of an out out there but one, but for me, maybe LaFont is the one we go for. Again, it just depends on what the club want to see as the next step in that keeper spot, or do they do or do they use them keepers that we have already? I'm just thinking, guys, this is an absolute mess. This is a real mess for the club. I'm sorry to say it. I know a lot of fans may not agree with me, but I think we you know, like Lige like says, it's Wednesday, like 10 o'clock at night, and we've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, we start the Premier League at home against Brentford. And a lot of fans, a lot of Leicester fans will say, well, that's three points at home against Brentford. But they're a decent side. They've played well last season. They've added to their squad. It's not, no game in the Premier League is easy. And I think suddenly there's a heck of a lot of pressure. And, and we're going into that game without a goalkeeper, a number one goalkeeper, and without a club captain. What on earth is going on? I'm really, I, 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 I'm scratching my head that Casper's talked about leaving for many, many months now. And to get to this stage and us to be saying, oh, it could be, and again, you'll have to forgive me, guys. I don't, some of these keepers you're mentioning from, I mean, Besiktas, the Turkish league, correct? Yeah. I, that is not the Premier League. Well, but that, that, that's uh, who Benfica would be replacing with. We're not linked with someone from uh, Besiktas. Good. But again, I'm, <laughs> just, I'm glad because that is not the standard. I think the goalkeeping position is a really unique, critical place. Forget that Casper was a captain as well of on and off the pitch around the training ground. You've lost a massive figure who's been at Leicester City for 11 years. This is... I just, I'm really scratching my heads and I'm quite perplexed that, you know, like I say, with four days to go, we are debating who could be the new signing for Leicester in goal. I think it's it's bonkers. 
I, I do find it hard to believe that Lester don't have anybody in plan yet that we might not have been negotiating with. I think that this is a club that does keep its, its cards close to its chest. We know that if we were to be making statements, talking about keepers that we might be signing in the event that Casper Schmeichel goes, yes, it would reassure the fans, but that also lets that competing club know, you know, we could tack an extra five, 10 million pounds on the price tag. This club need this player. Uh, again, uh, sorry to jump in, really. I just, I, I hear what you're saying, but you, if, if you sign, uh, Ben Foster, for example, like really quite likes Ben Foster. And I, he has got loads of Premier League experience and he's an English goalkeeper. So he would come straight in. He, he could be at the club tomorrow or Friday uh, and settled in. He'd know how to command the penalty area. He'd know how to set up the defence for, for corners. He's, he's probably a good shout considering that we've got so little time, it, to be fair, and you've got to get somebody in. If you were to bring one of these keepers in, you talk about this, this LaFont, I'm sorry, I don't know some of the names. I, you know, my, my lack of European knowledge is, is showing it with some of these. These guys are playing, Who, you know, what, what country they're coming from. They've got to get over to England. That mm. takes a day or two to get over. They've got to find a house to live in Leicester. They've got to... Maybe their English isn't brilliant. Maybe they've got to take instructions from a whole new team. They've got to find out where Seagrave training ground is. You know, there is no way we're going to get one of these European keepers in place for Sunday. So therefore, you're going to end up with Everson or Danny Ward in there. But this is where I'm looking at maybe uh, surely, and don't get me wrong, it's Leicester City. There could not be. But for me, they're letting Casper go on the terms that we have got a replacement, which I'm hoping, I hope to God that we have got a replacement there somewhere and we've already got him in line where he's living, what he's doing and whatnot. I hope, hope something has happened about that. But again, I know what you mean. It's a big risk to take someone from Europe where a Premier League keeper is probably a bit more reliable, but maybe you want that higher level that you don't really think of from the from Europe, if you get what I mean. Maybe if me, Dubravka isn't that sort of level we need. Ben Foster is probably not that level, but he's got a lot more experience and he's English, like you say. The only problem is he is a bit he's a lot older than a lot of the keepers that we're talking about. Do you think we could end up signing the likes of a Ben Foster just for this season? Or even just until this summer, so that we have that experienced Premier League goalkeeper between the sticks until we can sign someone. Maybe Lacadimus or um, or Lafon could be a signing for the sun, um, for the for the fall window. I well, take Go on, Phil. Well, well, I was going to say maybe Elijah. Maybe that is it. But is, again, this is why I'm a bit scratching my head, a bit perplexed with everything that's going on because. Like we, like we said, the club have sort of said, and Casper said last week, I'm not going to leave until the club's got something else lined up. But you can't tell me that one of the top clubs, we're now in the top 15 clubs in Europe and we've got ambitions to be top five. That's what Vichai said. You can't tell me that the, that the club's plan is to let a number one keeper, a captain, go and replace him with Ben Foster, age 39. That cannot be. A sensible plan. That is like scratching your head time, isn't it? That's not a plan. That's emergency. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm hoping that there's just a lot that we're in the dark to. And that, like you said, that sort of planning, that helping that keeper find a home in Leicestershire, 
know where Seagrave is, get familiarized with the with the coaching staff, that that's already been happening. And it just hasn't been announced to us yet who that is. With all that said, so there's obviously a lot up in the air around Casper Schmeichel and our goalkeeping situation, but another place where there's a lot up in the air, particularly coming out of yesterday, is our centre-back situation. Uh, Wesley Fofana has been making some very cryptic posts, the things that he's been liking, the things that he's been sharing in English and in French. Does he stay? Does he go? What What are your expectations? Do you think he could go to Chelsea this window? I I honestly think he will stay with all the stuff that he's doing. And I think he's just trying to stir the pot, in my opinion. Like, there's certain things you think maybe is a bit childish and a bit unprofessional, putting stuff like a picture of him unhappy with a speech bubble. It just seems like, what are you even trying to do there? Taking Leicester... Um, the Leicester initials out of out of his bio is just again another thing that I think is just very unprofessional of him. But I don't see Chelsea coming in with that high amount when they are buying the likes of Cucurella and all these other players that they want to see into the squad as well. So I think we'll be lucky to keep him, but I don't. I, I've lost respect for him. For me, I've lost the respect because of what he's done the last few days. It, it, it is. I mean, we said it's a bit childish. It's very strange for somebody in his position to be putting up some of those, some of those posts and some of the things that he's been putting on his social media. The, the, especially, like we said, the one of him looking sort of worried or in pensive thought mode with the thought. It's not. It's not even a speech bubble. It's a thought bubble. So by that, I mean Elijah. Again, you're in the same sort of industry as us. You know that a picture can tell a thousand words. That picture. Whether it took him 10 seconds to create on a little app or whether it took him a day to think of it, it tells a thousand words. It's showing him in very pensive mood with a thought bubble going, and it makes everybody go, well, what are you thinking? Because you could argue he's thinking about Leicester and he's going to have a great season and we're going to get in the top five, but it clearly isn't that. It clearly is him thinking about his future. That's how I take it, Elijah. Don't you read it that way? One of the one of the big things that kind of directed me on how he was thinking with that as well was um, I have a picture of it here. He posted a, a French motivational post. It was the frame of his Instagram story just before that one. Uh, and in French, it says, Mon père m'a dit, tu vas en rêver beaucoup de gens lorsque tu commences à faire ce qui est mieux pour toi. Et j'ai commencé à le réaliser, which means my father told me that you're going to anger a lot of people when you start doing what's best for you. And I've started to realize that. I definitely, that. I definitely understood what you said there, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate Elijah's translated that for everybody else. I mean, me and Reedy, our French is uh, Stella Bond, but listen, there's a little bit you, of... What does that tell you, Elijah? There, there's some nuance that I feel like we might be missing because I did also see a post from the Leicester City France um, group and they said that when they read it, they interpreted it as being not towards Leicester City, but towards agents and intermediaries that might be standing in the way of his future, be that either at Leicester or elsewhere. So I don't know if maybe there's some nuance that, you know, it's my second language. I'm just not interpreting it the right way. But to me, it does definitely seem like he's stirring a pot, whether it's us or whether it's Chelsea. I don't know. So Elijah, can you just, can you just say that again in the English translation for us of what yeah. that post said? Cause he, he put that post and then he put the, the thought bubble coming after it. So I, uh, 
So it was, my father told me that you will anger a lot of people when you start to do what is best for you. And I've started to realize that. Yeah, I suppose you can read that either way because you could say, if he says that Leicester, he might anger a lot of people who want him to move, like an agent. So you could read it that way. But most when most people are flicking through Twitter or Instagram and also reading... Um, Chelsea have made an official bid, which I believe they have made an official bid. You know, so he's, they've made an official bid and then he's taking, putting that up and thought bubbles indicates to me that he's saying, I've, I've been made an offer, I've got to do what's right for me and I'm thinking about it. Now, at the same time, one of the things that's interesting is the way that Chelsea are doing their business as well. A lot of the rumors that were surrounding Fafana, um, it remains to be seen whether Chelsea are going to be willing to put up the amount of cash that Leicester City are asking for. And if they were going to do a player plus cash deal, Levi Colville was going to be the most useful piece of the, the most useful player that they could have added into that deal. He's now looking like he's going to be moving to Brighton as part of a, a greater trade around Kukurea. About 30 seconds before we went live, Brighton made a statement saying that there has been no deal made yet. So we're still in the dark as to what's going on there as well. But if Colville goes to Brighton, does that severely limit Chelsea's chances of getting Fafana? I think that increases the chances of getting Fafana. They gave it away the probably... They're probably second or third, maybe centre-back. Obviously, they've lost Rudiger. They brought in Koulibaly. Now, they're looking for that second third-team defender. Getting rid of someone like Cowell just makes it even even more likely they want to go for Fana. But I just don't see them paying for him. I, I honestly don't see him paying that 80 to £90 million pounds or a bit less with a player to get him, in my opinion. I mean, again... The, the... You have to be careful because it, it's it's rumours which some bits are based on truth and some bits not. The, the sort of the current rumour or thinking is that it it will be an increased bid and a player. And again, when, when as soon as you start to add a player in there, uh, you know, Ruben Loftus Cheek has been mentioned maybe as as a player who could come as part of the deal for Fafana. And again, he's a young young talent. Whether how much you rate him is could be widely interpreted. Now, some some fans might say, well, I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek is worth 10 or 15 million pounds. Other people might turn around like we would about Fafana or Madison or these and say, look, he's a young English talent. He's not perfect yet, but um, Chelsea are valuing him at 35 million pounds in today's market. And then you could suddenly say, well, if we give you, Chelsea could say, if we give you 45, 50 million for Fafana and Loft Ruben Loftus-Cheek at 35 million, there's your 85 million, and Leicester might look at it and go, well, yeah, we've got another young talent here, and we've got 50 million quid in the kitty, which is what Brendan Rodgers has clearly said he's got to do. He's got to, he's got to create his own money. I'm speechless. What else can you say? It's like, I think, I think speculation, nothing's really like concrete other than the Casper uh, situation that's finally been announced but I think at this point we just got to hope and wait and just see what happens because like you say the only way we're going to get rid of players is by probably now selling our best players in Fafana, Madison, whoever it is and then using that 
stack of money to put into two or three other players that we actually want to look into. We don't know. I mean, I guess part of the question, Elijah, is, is do we feel like, I mean, by Fafana's actions on, on social media, he's certainly, without doubt, been fanning the flames of a transfer, if you ask me, which makes me think, if, if, you, if you truly wanted to stay at Leicester, you don't put those posts out, you just stay at Leicester. If, you, if you're trying to stir the media and get speculation going, you do exactly posts like that. Like we said, to me, they are naive posts. They're either really naive, Elijah, or they're really, really cute. You know, it, it's the perfect way to get people talking about you. Yeah. He did very recently sign a, a reasonably long-term contract extension with Leicester City, uh, which at the very least does ensure that we would be getting a lot of money for him. Uh, it's not like his contract will be running down anytime soon, but it, it's, like I said, just very cryptic. It's very hard for me to see because up until this week, I would have assumed that he was very happy here. Well, yes, I, I agree. And I, but I think we think that about all Leicester players, that they are happy here. But, and, and I think most of them are happy. But you, you have to remember, as a Leicester fan, we love, we love Leicester because we're fans. That's what it's all about, we're fans. But for Farmer has come to Leicester to progress his career. He, that's why he made that move. He didn't pick Leicester out because he loves Foxes and loves Leicestershire and anything to do with that. He's come because he sees it clearly as a stepping stone. And to be fair, Leicester was one was the club who took the gamble on him because he hadn't played many games as a youngster. And other clubs, plenty of other clubs were looking at him, but they let Leicester have, have him. You know, I think Liverpool were looking at him at the time. A, a couple of others were. I think Chelsea were even looking at him. So I think, you know, he's come to Leicester going, well, if I have a good season or two, and he clearly has had a good season, even with the injury, then he is positioning himself to become... And he's talked about as being Europe's brightest centre-back. You know, uh, Ramos from Real Madrid mm -hmm. has said, I watched Leicester purely to watch Wes Fofana because he is going to be the best centre-back in Europe. You know, he's got he's being told this by legends of the game. So I'm, I'm not surprised that a club like Chelsea are coming in for him. I'm actually a bit surprised that a club maybe even higher up the pecking order, you know, maybe a PSG or Real Madrid or Barca, who have been linked as well with him, haven't come in. But I could see him going Chelsea for a couple of seasons and then going onwards and upwards from there. Now, with all that said, um, we can now get into sort of how we think things are going to go for the season. The season obviously starts in half a week. And I know that between the three of us, we have three very different perspectives on where we think this club is going and how we think this season will progress. So I think before we start getting into specifics, any sort of like player predictions that we might have, any sort of positioning, let's just go around the room and just in a sentence or two, what are we expecting for this season as things stand right now? Um, with everything that's gone in the last few weeks, I may have changed my prediction a tiny bit. But I still think it's capable of hitting Europe of any kind if that means winning a cup. Even if we don't get in the top six or seven, I'd take a maybe even a final in um a final in a cup. If we lose it then okay, but as if we get to that final and we have a chance of getting to Europe, then for me I think that's pretty much fair enough and I think it's been a decent season for me. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much split. I literally am split on this. I've got, there's a bit of me says, look, these are, this is effectively the team that finished eighth, and it's effectively the team that finished fifth twice on the trot. And, and they've got three years experience. So in, in fairness, if we, if we kept all the players, then this team finished fifth, fifth, eighth. There's no reason why we couldn't attack that top six, top five again. That's half of me says that. The other half, like I've said earlier, is starting to panic and we've already lost Casper, so we're slightly weaker. I, it's very hard to almost answer your question, Elijah, with us not knowing really what that squad is going to be. Because in a day's time, a week's time, three weeks' time, we could have a very different squad. I would, I would, I'm a bit with reading. My honest is at the moment is a top 10 finish and win a cup is more than achievable and that gets you into Europe. So I would be more than happy with that. And, and maybe a late surge into a top top seven, something like that. Who knows? What about you, Elijah? That's pretty close to where I'm thinking as well. Like, I'm thinking we're an outside shot for Europe. What I'm kind of liking is the fact that I, I've obviously been seeing a lot of pundits and fans alike putting out their predictions for 20th to 1st, who they think is going to be showing up. And the team that has the least consistent place in anyone's predictions is Leicester City. I've seen us predicted as low as 17th, 18th, and as high as 5th. The the fact that other teams, be it their fan bases or their pundits, don't know what to expect from us can be a bit of a strength for us because that's where we come out of the woodwork and can surprise a few teams. Um, I can see us making another outside push for Europe. Um, definitely my expectations have been lowered from challenging for Europa League, if not... Champions League, but I definitely see us challenging for upper mid-table towards Europa Conference League. And like you guys have said, if that comes through a cup, that comes through a cup. We have more depth than we need for just competing in domestic competition. So we'll have some legs that will definitely be available for cup competitions. Um, At the same time, that's also been our Achilles heel through this transfer window because we can't get rid of the players that we need to to start signing those players that we want to challenge Champions League with. I mean, the, these lads know each other, and there's so much to be said about that. You know, Madison, he knows Ndidi, he knows Dennis Pratt, they, they know Tielemans. If they all stay together, then this this is a well-groomed team over the last three years. Brendan Rodgers has been here three and a half years. He, know, he knows them all very well. They know him very well. They've settled into the new training ground. It, it could be perfect and it could push us on to really like you just said elijah who we don't with the three lesser funds here we've got no idea where we could finish up so if but on our day we can beat the best teams with that with our team really can't we yeah exactly and like like elijah says maybe the fact the big factor is is that people might not be able to predict us the last few seasons i think the last two seasons when we finished fifth and maybe at the start of the eight, people could kind of guess what we're doing with the balls over the top with Vardy a lot more. But since Rodgers has come in more, he's changed. He's tried to change up this tactic a lot more. He's trying to be a bit more passing base. Yes, sometimes it's very boring at the back. But for me, this season, which is why I'm a lot more positive than a lot of Leicester fans, is in pre-season, again, it's not the best of kind of level of teams to be playing against. But we're showing a bit more fire, a bit more... Of a different style of how we're playing and the passing has been looking incredible um 
in a few games when we played, when we watched uh, the Hall on the Watch Long, we just looked incredible. No, no one could touch us. And I think when we go into the Prem this season, if we do kind of make a few changes here or there, like on our, on our last season, where it was more like for like subs and the same sort of tactics every game. If we change that up, I think we could be a force. But and like you say, we could be, we could we could beat Man City on that day. Yeah, there, I know that there's a lot of people that like to point out that you know our our only signing this season has been a new way to buy chips in the stadium, but <laughs> at the same time. I have seen sort of three key differences from last season, each of which were a significant weakness for us. The first one of which is that I believe we've gotten a new team doctor in. And that's significant because we were decimated by injuries. It's the reason why Ryan Bertrand and Yannick Vestergaard play for us in the first place. Hopefully a new doctor can bring in some sort of new system, be it either that gets players recovered from injury faster or can help protect them more in training that's a major difference that can definitely help us throughout the season the second one is that i know that we would albeit rightly call out casper schmeichel for not commanding the penalty area during corners and reasonably poor distribution we don't have him as a goalkeeper anymore and a lot of the keepers that we have been linked to as transfers are rather large stocky goalkeepers who can command that area during a corner kick your Dubrovkas your Fosters even if they're not like that same caliber they solve those problems that Casper Schmeichel might have had when he played for Leicester City especially over the last few seasons um and then that third difference is that we would always talk about the fact that Brendan Rodgers never had a plan B we always played the same way you pass patiently around the back you hoof the ball hope for the best with Vardy and then around the 60th minute mark you break you bring on Mark Albrighton around the 70th minute, you take off an attacker and put on an attacker. And then you take off a center back and put on a center back like for life over preseason. I've seen tactical differences against Knott's County against Sevilla. I saw us playing more short passing football up the middle, something that really suits the style of play of your Pats and Dakas of your Dennis Pratt's those players who we really didn't see the same impact from be it either because they were out on loan or because they didn't get the same amount of game time. And this can give us the opportunity to really see those players as new signings. So even if we don't necessarily have new names on the back of the shirt, I definitely think that this is going to be a new Leicester City that we didn't see last season. Yeah, I look forward to that, Elijah, um, seeing that, because I've been quite vocal before last season talking about there isn't a plan B. It is just play, pass, pass, play, eat, sleep, repeat with Brendan Rodgers, even when you're 2-0 down with 10 minutes to go, he will enforce the same tactic. So I've been very vocal about that. I'd like to see a plan B. I'm not quite sure I see this, what he's trying as a plan B. He has come out and said he's trying to play, as you've just called out, Elijah, a little bit tighter, a little bit, he's playing the, the full-backs, the wing-backs, in a sort of a triangular way with the midfield and then the, the winger so, and, and having them sort of interplay how they come through. So he, he has come out and said he's, he's trying to change the tactics a little bit. Whether, whether that's changed the tactics overall and then whether he's been well known really that he, he Rogers finds a way of playing and then he, he believes in himself and he backs it. And, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but that seems to play the same way throughout a game. I think with me, with the way I see it is that I get what you mean. I think 
I think if, if Rogers has a certain way to play one team, either it works or it doesn't. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it does, then we all think, wow, we've done well today. Because I think when we played Man United and we won, was it 4-2 or 4-3? I can't remember what it was. But uh, even what he brought, I think he put three strikes on at one point. He put Daka, Vardy and someone else, I think Perez, because obviously he assisted. And it was just like, like, why is he going all out? And it's because he, he kind of knew he had control of the ball in the field. So he thought, why not go for it? Let's try and get a third and a fourth. And we did. Whereas other games, well, I, can't, I can't remember a particular game, but I think it was near the start of the season when we played Brighton. Yes, we probably were done over with the AR a lot. But really, the tactics didn't work. Against West Ham, we lost 4-1. The tactics didn't work. He didn't really try and change them to kind of force it. When we were 2-1 down, we let him win 4-1. Uh, if they can say it, that's, that's what I see. If the tactics didn't work, he won't go, oh, let's try and change it to this, see if it does work. He'll just stick with it, put the same kind of subs on, and if we lose, we lose. Whereas this season, I've already seen changes in what he's done. And like you say, the way he plays with fullbacks and how he said about it, kind of, I think Tom said it as well, it kind of seems like the Man City kind of style, but a lot, a lot. obviously it's not going to be anywhere near that, but it's trying. he's trying to improve the team to be more like a Man City side. There's always going to be that inherent risk especially when you're departing from something that's been the sort of identity for the football club. Like, obviously, we have a whole chant about the fact that we play from the back and counterattack and all that. But we've seen it work, like, obviously, still early in preseason. But uh, a change in their playing style from sort of the traditional route one has worked really well for Burnley. They're really looking promising to eat up the championship this season. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic seeing those changes that it might just be that kick in the back that we need and that surprise factor that we need to really start challenging again in the Premier League. I mean, Elijah, I, I'm interested in, in what you say there because I don't feel Leicester played counter-attacking football in two and a half years. Maybe maybe longer than that. I would say under Brendan Rodgers, we don't particularly play counter-attacking football. I don't even He's, think under Claude Powell we played counter-attacking Rogers football. Rodgers has, since, since Rodgers came in, he has kind of changed us from a just to boot the ball up and Vardy will get onto it to more of a passing side, which I kind of like. But again, when he when he's changed to that, the last maybe season half, where we finished, where we ended in fifth and then we got eighth, it was, it was more a very boring passing around the back. Whereas the first season when he came in, you could see there was a very big change. In it. it was good to see. But again, the last maybe season and a half, it's been a lot more boring passing around the back and it's just barely got to I the mean, attack the yeah, I, I, I so think it'd, it'd be fair not to call it... Boring, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say that, Elijah. I don't think it's... It's hard to say it's boring. It's just possession-based football, Elijah, isn't it? Yeah, it... I, I think it's fair not to call it counterattacking, but what we definitely do is we hold the ball and invite pressure upon us. And then if we can make it through one, two lines of a team, that's when we're able to really shine. Like we saw ourselves do that against the likes of your Watfords. I believe we did it against Crystal Palace, especially teams that put a lot of players up front. Um, I know Roy Hodgson was the kind of manager that would always do that against us and it would fail for him every single time. That's definitely what's become more of our play style. But the fact that I'm starting to see a bit of a departure from that, which may have been maybe not necessarily the Leicester City identity, but the Brendan Rodgers identity, it still has that surprise factor that I was mentioning earlier. Uh, I think 
when you like, just quickly uh, like when you see it, it was weird like the last two seasons when you see that you've got more possession than the likes of Arsenal Spurs at times you just think are we watching Leicester because we are probably most likely now other than maybe the top four that we do have more possession in them which is again crazy to think from when we won the league it was nowhere near that it was probably about 30 percent 25 percent but again that's the way we're moving it is an interesting one and, and it's one where again i've been quite critical of daca last season but also I, I think the way we generally have played doesn't suit daca and doesn't suit jamie bardi because of how we do play it through they and, and even Brendan Rodgers has admitted it. They both like the ball ball over the top and to run on. They've both got tremendous pace. Dakar probably even more so than Jamie Vardy. So the way we often play, I don't think, does suit either of those two strikers because neither want the ball into their feet to hold it up and then introduce other players. They they want it, they're, they're finishers and they want the ball there. So, you know, one or two touches, they're having a shot. So it is interesting that we have Dakar and Vardy and we... we it frustrates me at the match that sometimes we don't just play it a little bit quicker and a little bit give them the odd ball down on the deck or through or over the top to run onto. So it, it's, it is going to be interesting to see how he plays with them. And I think Dakar will be involved a lot more in the tactics this year, Elijah. Now, I know that we've talked a lot about how unpredictable this season is going to be, but this is basically the section that we're about to get into is we're going to try to do our best to do some predictions. Um, I figure first things first, we're going to go around and sort of give like a concrete number of where we think we're going to finish in the Premier League. And then we're just going to go with some different titles. We're going to go like top score. We're going to go best player. We're going to go biggest letdown. Give me, give us a name, couple, couple sentences, explanation why. So let's kick off with where do you think we're going to finish this season? Go on, I'll let you get faster. Well, I, I've got a, I've got a head says and a heart says, and I'm going to go with the heart. So my heart says we could finish in the top six. So I'm going to go for six. I think I think the the big top four, five, six clubs have all strengthened, and you know Spurs were ahead of us last season on merit, and they've strengthened, and, and I don't feel we have. And I'd say that with Arsenal were ahead of us in the table, and they've strengthened, and Man City, you know, Man United, Liverpool. So I think sixth is is a a possibility. That that's where I'm going to go for sixth. Reading. Um, I think the only team in that top six now, like you say, that everyone else is strengthened. I think the only team in the top six that we could probably push out is that United team, and I think maybe six. But I'm going to put a seventh because it's still Europe and it's still Conference League, which we showed last season was nearly possible to win, other than maybe one tactic going wrong to concede a header, um, but. For me, I'm going to go seventh, and I think I think if we keep the players we've got right now, I think that might help us more than what other other teams have. Because, like you say, Phil, people might have, people might have upgraded and improved their teams, but with what we've got already for the last three years, we know how the team works and how the team plays. So, I I, I think we've easily got a chance to get into Europe. I'm I'm going to agree with you, Reedy, on seventh. Um... I, I think we have that outside chance. We can still challenge for Europe. Uh, a lot of the teams ahead of us have definitely strengthened, but one of the things that I do, uh, that I've been bringing up a lot in our group chat is that 
we still have that cohesiveness that a lot of those teams that have been making signing after signing after signing are not going to have coming into this season. Um, you know, I, I keep reminding myself, of, I think it was like the QPR side of 2013 or 2014. They signed some big name players like your Rio Ferdinand, uh, Park G. Sung. They, I think they signed like eight or nine players and finished dead last in the Premier League because there was no cohesion between that team. And this Leicester City side is going to be the tightest knit squad out of all 20. I think that's going to be our biggest strength, even if we don't necessarily have the paper advantage of having the best players that the Premier League has to offer. Yeah, I, I larger, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm saying six, I'm saying seventh. Mate, if, we, if you ask that question in a week's time, when some players have possibly gone, it could be very, very different. But that's, yeah. hey, maybe that's me just fearing it. But as it stands, I think... I think the top six or seven is is a more than possible thing for Leicester. And, and like Reed said, I definitely feel I fancy this to win the League Cup this year. I really do fancy I thought, it. If we take that serious. I thought you were going to say the Cup at the end there. I thought you said we're going to win the League. Wait, what? <laughs> That'd be Why another 5,000 to one right there. Um, no. The next one is going to be, who do you think is going to be our top scorer for this season? Well, for me, that, that's that's pretty straightforward. It's it's still probably going to be Jamie Vardy. Um, how many more seasons has the guy got left in him? By the way, there, there has been a few little rumours about Jamie Vardy being interested by Man United. And again, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame Man United for going for Jamie Vardy because you know they might say, well, look, he's a proven Premier League scorer. You know, he's worth the season. Let's let's give him some money. Let's pay. Let's have him. You know, and again, I will blame Jamie Vardy for fancying a year at Manchester United, the, probably the biggest club in the world or one of them. But I think for Leicester, if he can, and again, it is staying fit, it's game management. Not playing in Europe every week is going to help Brendan Rodgers manage his fitness. If you can keep him off fit, for me, he's heads and shoulders over anybody else in the Leicester team who might score a goal because it ain't going to be Dakar. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say him for this one. I'll just, I won't say him for this one. Um, I'm going to say mine again because it wasn't actually recorded last time, and it's going to be James Madison. I think he was outstanding last season, and I think he, he can't not be improving like this season. I think he's going to be an absolutely incredible player this season. I think this is the season. If he don't go now, he will go next summer because he looks incredible and how he didn't make the England squad I don't know um, so I think this season is going to be literally on on fire and I think he'll even outbreak Vardy's goals this season I I too am going to say James Madison um, I, I have a bit of a, a surprising Jamie Vardy take that I gave in the first episode that I'm going to have to repeat later but um, yeah it's Madison has been reasonably consistent for us even when he hit a lull over the last couple of seasons, he doesn't remain in that for very long, um, particularly in comparison to other players that have hit longer lulls like Yuri Tielemans. Um, he's at the top of his game right now. And you know what? Even if his head does get turned, I see him then playing even harder to try to convince that team to sign him even more rather than someone who lets it distract him. So I could easily see him cleaning up, getting some good goals from either outside the box. He plays well in that sort of short passing through the middle kind of game because he can dance around a player or two, get himself into a good shooting position if he doesn't have an avenue to pass with. And I really see him being the face of this franchise possibly for next season. 
Totally. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think you could, both could be right with Madison, and, and there's every chance that, again, subject to Madison staying at that he could play 38 Premier League games. I can't see Jamie Vardy playing 38 games no. due to his age and probably will pick up an injury, but Madison could make the whole season, Elijah. I think with that, we can then get into um, who we think is going to be the biggest disappointment. I, I hate to speak negatively about players, but I want to sort of balance out, like we're going to talk about surprise packages and stuff like that. Who are you expecting the least from in this Leicester City squad? Or who do you think will let will let the fans down in a way? Cool, Elijah, that's a tough question, man. Who's going to let the fans down? I mean, there's... there's I twist no, my own words when almost, it comes back to me, so feel free to twist them yeah, yourself as well. Well, I, I, I mean, there's almost... I, I go into this season not... I think we know, again, this is the positivity for this season, is we know what the players do. We know what... Um, a lot of fans are very critical of Yannick Vestergaard, but we, we know what he can do, and he, he's just not been... He's been ill for a lot of that season. A lot of fans don't give him the fact that he has been ill and, and injured, which I don't think the club's really made a big thing of. But, you know, I, I think he won't let you down. He, he, he's good at what he does. Um, comes a Chowdhury, he's a fringe player, but he, he doesn't let you down. He, he's going to know what you're doing. I've, been, I've, yeah, I've said it in tonight, I'm very critical of, of Dakar, but he's not, he's not let us down. I don't think we played to his, his Yeah, I, I think, that, I think I, a better I think, term than let down might be like, who wouldn't meet expectations? Well, for me, it'd be Dakar then, because I just don't think, well, from when I've seen him play, I'm sorry, I haven't seen that ultimate goal scorer, but maybe I'm looking at the wrong things. I He just looks like somebody chasing the ball around and he's five yards off the pace, but puts a good effort in. But I really, really, really want him to prove me wrong. And I've, I've been on video loads over the last six months saying I don't think he's good enough. I, I can't wait for people to say, Phil, you were so wrong, mate. Including me. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 hope, I hope you all can. I hope you can all say, uh, Phil, you got it so wrong about Dakar. He, he just needed time to settle in. Again, my argument's been £30 million pounds or €30 million. Euros. He, he should settle straight in. But uh, go on, really. My, I think my disappointment, I don't know whether I said it on the first one, but I think I'm going to put Harvey Barnes. I think people are saying this could be his revival season. Then again, his stats last season really wasn't as bad as people think it was. I think it's more of his performances and how he uses and plays with the ball. I think Man City last season, I think when he came up in, he was already kind of like, there's no point me even trying because I'm against Kyle Walker. The, the difference is, I think... I, I, it's hard to describe because I just I, I I loved Harvey Barnes when he came back from West Brom. How fast he was, how he took on players all the time. But the last few seasons, he's kind of started losing. I think you said a few seasons ago, or even at the start of this season, Phil, that you said he's not he's not a kid anymore. He's 24, 25. He should be nearing off his peak. And for me, he's nowhere near that. And I think maybe again, again, I think his stats could show this season, but I just don't think his performances will be anywhere near. We probably want him to be. And then for mine, um, so this is where I said, like, twisting words. So I I definitely framed mine as being, like, more so not meeting expectations. Mine is Jamie Vardy. And I don't think that it's going to be necessarily his fault. But what I see is a sort of tactical shift. We might see more rotation up front. And a lot of fans coming into the season will rightly be expecting him to be our club's top scorer. I just don't see him having the opportunity to do that. I think we're going to have too much rotation up front. I don't think he'll get enough game time. 
Um, I could even see him picking up an injury or two during the season. I think he will still be an electric player for us, but I just don't see him being at that top scorer for the club, challenging for the golden boot level that fans have rightly begun to expect from him for next season. I mean, at some point, Elijah, that prediction is going to come true because he is he is reaching the end of his career, but whether it's this year or next year or two years' time or three years' time, that, that prediction will come true. Um, I hope I'll leave my words. Well, I, 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 I know you don't mean that as though you want it to happen because I think Jamie Vardy is still super fit, super fast. Um, I, I think the last two seasons we haven't been playing to his strengths anyway and he's still been top scorer and got a good bag full. And even last season, he, he was injured for a big amount of last season and he was still our top goal scorer by a country... Well, I say country mile. James Madison, like you said, was, was pretty close to him. It's going to be an interesting one for Jamie Vardy this year. I think a lot of it will be very dependent on... Um, because it, when we signed Pats and Daka, a lot of us assumed that that was going to be our constituency plan for Jamie Vardy. He was meant to be the successor. At some point, we are going to start rotating him. We're going to likely see one up front, two up front in our lineups in a rotation of Vardy, Iannaccio, and Daka. That was something that I expected to see more of last season than I did. And it's the reason I make this prediction is because I can start seeing that happening this season where there will just be a fair few games where Vardy will be on the bench. He might be that sort of Mark Albrighton type, put energy in the team in the 60th minute kind of player. Oh, he's a great player. To, I mean, when he, when he does turn into that player, guys, um, and he's on your bench and you are 1-0 down, there's your plan B. You know, what, what yeah. would you want? 20, 30 minutes to go and you're losing. Plan B is Jamie Vardy. The crowd will get excited. The Leicester fans will get going. Their fans will go, oh, here comes Vardy. He's going to score. So it's a, he's a fantastic super sub to have on the bench. Again, just pushing it back to the Dakar debate, there was a lot of last season with Jamie Vardy out injured. And Brendan wasn't picking Dakar to play. He was playing in Nacho there. He played Luckman up there. He played Harvey Barnes up there. So he was reluctant to put uh, Pat some Dakar in there. Whether that's he just didn't feel he was quite at the game. So again, like you say, Elijah, it, it, there is going to be that transition. And I think Dakar is potentially very similar to Jamie Vardy. So it, it should work. I, I agree totally. The next one we were going to discuss was going to be who we think is going to be the surprise package. Who's going to exceed expectations on this club this season? Daka. <laughs> I'm going Daka. <laughs> he's always going to be my surprise package. I think uh, I honestly think he's going to be insane this season. I I've, I think Phil was saying that he's he's not kind of showing him he's that clinical striker. And I think from what I've seen in previous clubs and even last season, I don't think his stats last season was even that bad. I think I think he got ten goals yet. Well, yes, four of them were in one game, but I think he's an absolutely clinical striker. And if you play to his his, his strengths, like you said, uh, like playing through the middle and then through like through straight to him, I think he'll be an absolutely insane player. And I I, I hope that he does because I think at twenty thirty million for that sort of player, half the teams in the Prem are like that's a big steal. And again. Maybe last season he didn't ha- he didn't kind of play to heights before he would have, but I think his stats still was a decent enough for a season. Well, for his, for his first season, I think this season's going to be even better for him. 
Oh, you see, I hope Reed is right. I hope Matt Dacker does really come in, hit the ground running, score those goals, because it, it's almost like we've had him a year and it's sort of not really worked. But if he comes in and does that, it is like signing a 40, 50, 60 million pound striker if he has a great season. To answer your question, Elijah, for me, I, I, I think the surprise package is going to be Dennis Pratt. I really liked him when he was at Leicester to start with. I have no idea why he left. Dennis Pratt himself came out in the Italian press and said he has no idea what he's doing in Italy. He didn't want to go and he suddenly was shipped out there. Something clearly happened that none of us know about for him to go. But he's back now and he's been playing pre-season. And I actually, I've always preferred Dennis Pratt with James Madison and then Diddy in there. I think that's the perfect type of blend. You've got a central defensive midfielder in Diddy or Mendy or Hamza, whoever plays in that role. And then you've got Madison, who's your progressive number 10. You've got Kin and Juicebury Hall, who's a number eight. But Dennis Pratt is that sort of glue between those types of midfielders. He can play a little bit box to box. He can be defensive. He can be solid. He can make steady passes, 10-yard, 20-yard passes. But he can also ping a ball forward. And a little bit like Danny Drinkwater was that type of player. I think Dennis Pratt, if he sticks around again in a week's time, he might have been sold to Torino for six million quid. I don't know. But I think that's my player who I think is going to surprise us and surprise nobody because a lot, most Leicester fans highly rate Dennis Pratt and Niger. He and Tielemans have really felt like those true center midfielders. That, like you said, like those ones who can really sort of be the glue between your forward midfielders, like your Madisons and your Dewsbury Halls, your defensive midfielders, like your Ndidis, your Sumares. Um, and yeah, I think we, we were definitely missing Pratt, especially after we put him on loan and then suddenly started having midfield woes. Yes. Um, there, there's going to be a place for him in that lineup, and we've already started to see that in preseason. Yeah, I think he's going to be involved, Reedy. I really do. And uh, it's, a, it's a tricky one because you've got and Juicebury Hall, you've got Madison, obviously. It, I, you know, I'm sort of, I am basing it really on the fact that I think Tielemans is probably going to go at some point this transfer window. I I think I, I said at the start when obviously Arsenal are really into the Tielemans that this is a time that maybe someone like Pratt or even Sumari that I've still, I still rate as well maybe gets into that squad and I, I still think if Yuri does stay I think no one none of them two will get in because Yuri's one of um, Rodgers' favourites and yes he might be a lot higher class and one bit of special um, one bit of specialty in that in that one minute of the game will be the difference in winning a game or whatnot but I get what you mean I think if, if Tillman does go I think I'd rather have someone like a Pratt in there than maybe a Chowdhury at times or whatnot. I think Pratt could be that flat player that maybe is a bit of a surprise package as well, like you say. And then uh, for my surprise package, I'm actually going with Yannick Vestergaard. I think, again, banking on the possibility of a bit of a tactical shift, I can see us playing more to Vestergaard's strengths. Uh, ones that don't necessarily rely on him running as much, but more rely on him taking advantage of his size, particularly on set pieces, which is what he did well for Southampton and what he hasn't had the chance to do well in a blue shirt. I think if we have that little bit of a change, he can really become that rock that can help us solidify on corners. 
uh, someone who can just get in the way of counterattacks rather than having to chase down the runner once he's already passed him. And I really think we're going to see a different side of Yannick Vestergaard this season. So you know my opinion on uh, Vestergaard. I honestly think because of how and what Brendan Rodgers wants to do, go, like in the past few seasons, playing from the back instead of booting the ball up, I think he's maybe one of the better players for that. He knows how to pass the ball through the midfield like the Maguire used to do. It just the issue is probably is is how slow he is, and I'd say another advantage is how tall he is. So for me, it probably was a surprise package, but with a few um, a few with a few transfer rumors going around about him maybe going to Brentford or Fulham or whatnot, and with Fafana going, maybe it's time for first guard to take that place and prove himself. I think I think he's been a bit unfairly treated by fans. Um, they're not they're not really been backing him at the matches when he has made the rare and it has been quite rare appearances. Again, my my guy insider told me he he had long COVID and he's been poorly. You know, he's not been great. I can't confirm or deny that, but that's what somebody on the inside said that he's he's not been great for a lot of that season. But I think. He, he needs to. He needs. He needs to be given a chance at some point, and and then take that chance. And I think it's one of those where if he, when he's given that chance to start and have a game, he he just has to have a good performance and build yeah. on it. Daniel Daniel Amati came in some awful stick a couple of years ago, and uh, people weren't rating him. And he, you just got to be thick-skinned. And and when you get a chance, take the chance because we've seen Vestergaard last season come in and be like. Like Reedy said, look, beyond slow, Elijah, where you're going, my God, I think I could run faster than him. And in the Premier League, you know, there is some fast players out there. You, when you're playing the Man City's, Liverpool's, Mo Salah's, you know, Raheem Sterling at uh, Chelsea and that, you, you can't have a guy who looks like he's treading in mud. For sure. Um, and then for our last uh, our last quick rapid fire before we wrap this episode is going to be what's a game you're looking forward to this season and what's a game that you're dreading? Um, I think I, I said this on the last show that most most people's opinions is obviously the, the particular game that most people are going to say. But I'm not going to say that. My most game, The game I'm most looking forward to is Arsenal away. It's because it's the first game, the first away game of the season, and it's one game that I've, I've never been to that we've won there. And hopefully this season is different. Yes, the champions, and yes, it's hard. It's always hard to beat Arsenal, uh, the Emirates. But for me, I, I, I just want to see us win there while I'm while I'm witnessing it live. So that is one game I'm going to look forward to, and the one that I'm dreading. Um. I don't think I have one that I'm dreading. Like, I, I maybe, maybe, maybe that that derby. I don't know. Um, but I, I think we'll win there. I don't know why. I think we'll win there. But yeah, I, I'll just say I'll just say one that I'm looking forward to. Well, I, th- I think really knows. I, I'm looking forward <laughs> to and dreading the same game. I cannot wait to play Forest, and I I really am dreading it as well because it is it's all about the bragging rights. I went. As everybody knows, went to Forest away in the FA Cup, as Reedy did, and it was absolutely awful. It was the worst day in my 45 years of watching Leicester City. 
I'm hoping for redemption when we play them. I'm hoping to get a little bit of uh, local glory back. But I'm also dreading it, Elijah, because I, I genuinely think, I think they're going to come into the Premier League. Uh, they've made a lot of signings which can backfire, as you said about QPR a few years ago. Forest, Forest could definitely go down this season, but they could definitely have a really good season. I, I, I think whatever, if they have a good or a bad season at the end of the year, I think they're going to have a good start because the force is with them. Their, their fans are with them. Their manager is, they're singing on the same hymn sheet. And when we were there at the city ground in Nottingham earlier this year, I, even though we were 4-1 down and it was embarrassing, I was, I, the game was gone, but I was looking at their fans and how they're playing. And I was like, this is what the King Power was like the year we won the Premier League. It was rocking. So you, I, I was going to say bit, that I think I think when we were both there, we kept like we were saying, but we didn't know who was getting promoted at that point. But it just had a, it just had a feeling when they absolutely kind of dominated it. Just I was like, these are going to do it. These are going to go up, and they did. It, it, it just showed, and I think that yes, with all the players assigned, might be a bit of a tough one. Like maybe a Fulham a few years back when they put, paid 150, 100 mil on all the players to try and stay up, and they didn't. But I think the main the main focus on their team to maybe do well is their manager. And it showed last season when they were six six games down at the start of the season, no points, and still somehow come up from the playoffs. It's ridiculous. And I think their main threat is their, their manager. So I'll be looking forward to that game, but I'll be also dreading it. How about you, Elijah? I'm I'm pretty similar. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of uh, a little bit of inspiration from both of your answers because for that exact same reason, like I'm I'm looking forward to, but also dreading the East Midlands derby. I think um, this is going to be a clip that like Forest fans will love to take from of me saying, but I think we got taught some respect at the FA Cup. We learned that we can't expect to win East Midlands derbies that easily. Um, so I think that there is going to be a bit of a revigoration on our side particularly for the one that's going to be happening at the King Power. But if we lose either of those games after that FA Cup match, we are not going to hear the end of it. And that's why I have that little bit of dread. But if we can win it, we'll prove why we've been the Premier League team for as long as we have been. So that little bit on either side. I'm going to put it in as the team that as the game that I'm looking forward to. And then a little bit for Reedy's side as well. Um, it's going to be Southampton at home because I'll be at that match. That's going to be my match for this season. Looking forward to that one. Let's just say Weirdly enough, I'm going to say for dreading is um, I'm not looking forward to Newcastle away because I know a lot of Newcastle fans since the takeover have been eyeing us up, rubbing their hands together because we're the team that they want to take that place from. We're that team that sort of climbed up from lower in the Premier League, lower in the championship, established ourselves as that team that can challenge for Europe from the outside. They want to be us. And if they can beat us at St. James's Park, if they can beat us at the KP, they're going to believe that they can unseat us. And I think we really have to make a statement against them, especially in these fledgling years, as they're trying to sort of splash around the cash that they've got. We have to win that game. And I'm a little worried of what will happen if we don't. It's definitely going to be an interesting season, isn't it? It's going to be so interesting, Elijah. Yeah, we'll we'll have an interesting episode coming up um, next time because that will likely be coming after we've played Brentford. Uh, so we'll have that little bit more insight as to how we're going to be playing. If you have any topics that you want us to discuss, drop them in the comments of this so that we know what you want to hear from us, what you'd like to hear us all discuss. 
Uh, thank you guys both for joining me. Uh, I know it's late in the day in the UK uh, so that you could accommodate my working hours. Uh, and thank you all for joining us and listening in and watching on YouTube. Follow us on all of our socials and we will see you in the next episode. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.